Some people seem to move almost effortlessly from planning into action, but appearances can be deceiving. It all comes down to having a process that works for you. I'm your host, M. David Green. Hack the Process is a show about looking at the systems and processes that we build our lives around to support mindful, meaningful progress. This show explores ways that people get past that pivot point, from having a fantasy to putting something real out there into the world. If you're ready to stop planning and fantasizing and start taking action, let's hack the process together. Buying a one-way ticket from the UK to Egypt was how Michelle Dale started her journey toward the digital nomad lifestyle. Along the way, she's worked as a virtual assistant for clients, helped other VAs and online entrepreneurs find their own paths to success, created a business with 20 employees, and built a family with a husband and three children. In this episode of Hack the Process, Michelle will discuss how she created her own path to independence as a virtual assistant, tell us what inspired her along the way to start selling digital products and courses, and share the one essential factor she looks for when choosing a virtual assistant. Today, I'm speaking with Michelle Dale, and she is a maverick in terms of the digital nomad lifestyle, and she runs a company called Virtual Miss Friday. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well today, David. Thank you so much for having me on your show. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really excited to meet you. And I wanted to ask, is you Virtual Miss Friday, can you tell us a little bit about what your business is and what you do and how you introduce yourself these days? Okay, so usually I introduce myself as a creator of one sourcing. So one sourcing is a kind of outsourcing service that I created based on all the flaws that were in the outsourcing industry and all the things that I wanted to fix from there. But originally I started off as a virtual assistant and then I kind of grew into consulting and operations management. And now I basically specialize in supporting people who want to set up digital product businesses or digital product based businesses and become location independent and work online and kind of live the freedom lifestyle that everyone's, you know, talking about. It's very up and coming right now. So so I'm a little bit of everything, but started as a virtual assistant and then primarily go into digital operations management now. That's cool. And, and I understand about the way that you run your business. You support both the entrepreneurs and also the virtual assistants themselves, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I started off originally 12 years ago supporting clients online. And basically, I went there from moving into kind of seeing where all the areas where it was becoming a problem to support clients, where they were kind of coming to me and things weren't going quite as they expected in terms of working online. There was a lot of digital marketing people out there at that time. Time, you know, and they would come to me with all these systems like oh, I'm going to make money online and all you have to do is plug this, you know, thing in and do this for me and that for me. And, you know, they would, they would end up very disappointed at the end of it. So what I really wanted to do at that point was I wanted to be able to create a business as a virtual assistant and a support staff that would actually help my clients make money in their businesses as well. So that's when I started going into more of the consulting side and I developed a digital product business myself. So now basically I, I provide services to people looking to, you know, like have their digital operations run online. But I also teach virtual assistants how to do the service side of the business. And I, actually next year I'm branching out into teaching people who want to hire VAs how to, how to do that process as well. So it's kind of going in all different directions. But yeah, I, I do services, but I also train and coach. 
<laughs> it is a complicated process. And as somebody who works with a virtual assistant myself, I can tell you that it's not an easy path. And that training is going to be very helpful for people out there who are trying to figure out how to how to navigate it. Yeah, I definitely hope so. I know there's a big gap in the market right now between the virtual assistants and people who are hiring them. And there's like that middle ground that's kind of not being covered between the two, you know, like how to work really efficiently and effectively with a with a client and then from the client's perspective how to actually find the right people to hire from the start so you don't get into some sticky situations which i know a lot of people get into these days <laughs> well it's interesting you started you started yourself out as a virtual assistant but i think before you were a virtual assistant you had a whole other career going didn't you yeah i did so so i was living in the uk and i'd had basically a long history i left school at 16 so i had a long history of different jobs that i was just kind of trying out i left home too at 16 so I was just sort of, you know, like going from job to job, making ends meet. And then I landed a job in finance, which kind of took me through my late teens into my early 20s. And then I left the UK when I was 23. And that's when I started my business. And that was, yeah, 12 years ago now. <laughs> it's hard to get into finance without the educational background. What kind of work were you doing? So I started off originally, my first job in finance was working in a mortgage unit and I was processing mortgage applications. And then basically what happened from there is because, because you're in the mortgage unit, you always get to know what houses have been repossessed. So then I started buying houses very cheaply that had been repossessed. And then I was flipping those houses. And then I started getting into mortgage advising from there. So I kind of worked my way up through the ranks. And then I went from the mortgage unit into the bank. And then I started doing business loans and doing business advising because they teach you all internally. Once, you, once you're able to get in, you're, you're pretty much set. So that was, that was basically how I did it. I just hustled. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Obviously, you started off as a scrappy entrepreneur, and that's the direction that you've taken your career. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide after doing that and being successful, you were you were clearly running your own real estate business and you were successful at it. What made you decide to, to leave the country? Well, it's kind of a long story and I'll try and cut it short. But one day <laughs> when I came home from work, I found that my entire home had been robbed. So my front door was off its hinges. I walked inside the house, everything had gone. And then that's kind of like one of those defining moments of your life where you're like, I have the decision to make. And even down to my, you know, like my bill, like I had a little home office and all my utility bills and my birth certificate and my identification, it had all gone apart from my passport. And I decided at that point, I wasn't really happy with the work that I was doing. And I was working very long hours. I was doing, you know, like two or three hours a day, just commuting in a car I, I can't say that the the job that I was doing really filled my cup it was kind of something that I fell into and then once I did that everyone was like oh well that's a really great job but I didn't actually feel it was <laughs> so so I decided at that point you know like I've got a passport here and I've got nothing else to lose so I decided at that point I was going to completely change my life and I went into my office the next day and I quit my job and then I walked down to the estate agent, I put my house on the market, and then I walked down to the travel agent all within my lunch break, and I booked a one-way ticket to Egypt three months later. <laughs> a one-way ticket to Egypt. How did you choose Egypt? Um, I'd been on holiday there the year before and absolutely fell in love with the place. It was like 365 days a year sunshine. It was super cheap to live there. I mean, you can live there on practically no money at all. 
So for me, it was like it made perfect sense to be able to go somewhere where I could live very cheaply, start my business, not have the pressure of, you know, like Western society and all the things that come with that. And just to kind of like chill out and and be in a very relaxed environment where I could really sit down and think about what my next move would be. That's interesting. So at that point, did you have sufficient real estate holdings that you were self-sufficient and you could live and work independently in, in Egypt that way? No, what happened was, is although I was flipping these houses, I was doing repossessions and I was doing them up and I was selling them. I decided to put all my eggs in one basket in one particular house. So I sold my houses, I put all my eggs in one basket with this one really, really big house I ended up living in, but I was heavily mortgaged on that house. And then the property market crashed. So basically everything that I'd built up all went into that property and then I ended up with nothing at the end of it. So I was literally starting from scratch. Wow. What was this early 2000s when the with the property crash? Yeah. So I started my business in 2005. And that's basically when like the property market was going down from there, like before there. So I was pretty stuck. But I, even though I was in that position, I just knew it was the right thing for me to do. Wow. A lot of folks will remember how, how difficult times were back then. And it was interesting. People either gave up or reinvented themselves. And it sounds like you chose the reinvention path. Yeah, I definitely did. Well, that whole life-changing moment was quite pinnacle for me. And and yeah, I did decide that it was time for me to not do what I felt I should be doing, but to, to really sit back and think, like, what do I actually want to be doing? And then as soon as I left the UK, I immediately knew as soon as I left that I absolutely never wanted to go back to live there. I mean, I'd, I'd see the, the grass was actually greener on the other side. I'd seen an opportunity to live a completely different life and I, and I loved it. So, you know, for me, there was no going back. There was only going forward. And that's kind of when at the point when I decided I was going to start my business. That's interesting. You've been doing some consulting, I guess, on real estate, but how did you choose the direction for the business that you wanted to start next? Yeah, well, I was a mortgage advisor. I mean, I hadn't really, I've just kind of been doing it for myself, really, like as a, as a hobby while I worked my normal job. So, I mean, although I, I knew a lot about mortgages, it was very difficult for me to translate that into an online business when I was working from, you know, a whole other country. So for me, it was about thinking to myself, what skills could I acquire now to create a new type of business? And I moved completely away from financial services, which really I didn't enjoy in the first place. And I started to teach myself, you know, I came across the concept of being a virtual assistant and helping people online. It was Back then, there was no social media. There was no, you know, like all the things that we have now in terms of networking and stuff like that. It didn't exist back then. So for me, it was like figuring out what I could potentially do online to help other people with very limited functionality and resources that I had. And then I started to teach myself more creative tasks like Photoshop and Dreamweaver and building websites and things like that, just in the hope that I could build my own website and then manage to somehow get clients from that. (laughs) It's easy to forget just how recently we were in the dark ages of social media and they didn't even exist. Yeah. And how did you even get the idea to create an online business for yourself? Well, I kind of was a little bit stuck because I knew I didn't want to go back to the UK. So that meant I had to look for a location independent option. So for me, it was like just researching, researching online, seeing what I could potentially do. I started selling rugs on eBay, Egyptian rugs on eBay. because it was easy for me to Mm. (laughs) kind of go and photograph them and then pick them up and send them. So I started off doing bits and pieces like that. 
But then one day when I was doing my research, I came across a forum and people on there were talking about being a virtual assistant, but, you know, like servicing people close by. It was really like a mobile assistant. It wasn't really a virtual assistant. So they would like, you know, like work from their home office and then they would go and visit their client once a week or something like that. And I just thought to myself, well, this is something I could do, but just skip the whole visiting the client thing. So I started watching more on these forums about how people were doing it. And then I started thinking to myself about how I could potentially offer services to people via email, which was basically what we had back then. That's where it all began, really. That's that's kind of where the seed of thought progressed into the business. Wow. So you really had to build this from scratch. Was there anybody that you were able to, to learn some techniques from? There, honestly, back then there really wasn't. But you know, like for me, there was one person, and I discovered his blog the same time, the same year that I started my business, and that was Yarrow Starrick. He has a website called Entrepreneurs Journey. He's quite a big blogger in the blogging community. But what I really liked about him is that he was doing the location independent thing, and he was he was doing it through blogging. But I thought to myself, well, maybe if I could marry like my kind of admin skills and office-based skills and whatever I was learning, you know, in that melting pot with some kind of internet marketing or being able to figure out how to actually reach an audience online, then there was a really good possibility that it might work. So that's when I was following Yarostaric. And, you know, I, I ended up taking some of his training programs later on down the course of my business. And that's actually, it was actually his training programs that led me into doing my own training programs online for VAs. No, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I know Yarrow Yaro has some interesting training programs out there. They're not cheap. It's a big investment to dive into some of those things. It, it must have been a difficult choice. Yeah, it was. But I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that that was the point for me. I mean, I'd got to a stage in my business. It was it was interesting, really. I was a few years into my business and it was doing really, really well. But it was all involving, you know, like being present and servicing the clients. And I really wanted to be able to earn another income on the side where I was able to like really, really help people and share some of what I've been doing. So I did. I took the plunge and I made a really big investment into Yarostarik's course. It was a big investment for me at the time. But within three months, I followed everything to the letter, you know, like everything he taught, everything he told, told me to do on the program. And I joined his calls and I really, really, you know, like immersed myself into his training program and then three months later I'd made 20 grand on some products basically out, out of nowhere from nothing so for me that was like a revolution and then I was like okay well I need to give my attention to this not because not just for me as, as somebody who wanted to develop that side of my business but also so I could figure out how I could do this for my clients and that from there is is un, then I developed my own six figure product business, you know, just from my digital programs. And then that's when I started consulting and, and helping clients do the same. So it was it was a really interesting transitional period. Wow, you you are a good evangelist for Yara's program. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Once you start a product business, you have the opportunity to really multiply yourself so that you're not limited to the number of hours that you can work with a client. Absolutely. And for me, that that was a huge thing. And and I also, I mean, at the time as well, I also had a team and I was expanding. So I was I was really in a good position to be able to to really implement and take massive action on the things that I wanted to do in that side of the business. And sometimes you just have to take a leap of faith and, and hope it works out and, and it did. <laughs> 
So how long ago was it that you started that product business? So that was, it was actually 2010. I purchased Yarrow's course and it was, I think it was around August. And then by the November of 2010, I'd already started pitching my products and I'd already started making sales. It was a really, I would say officially it was January 2011 that I actually launched my first product. Wow, that is a really quick turnaround. But you, you definitely had something to share. You definitely had information that people needed to learn from. So there was an audience out there for what you had to teach. Yeah, definitely. Well, I had been getting questions from virtual assistants for a long time, many months before that on like, oh my God, I see that you're location dependent. I see you're living in France right now or you're living in Spain and like, how do you do this from Italy and things like that. So so for me, it was like a lot of VAs were coming to me just naturally as a natural progression from that point because that was kind of like when social media was <laughs> up and running a little bit more and then I just started answering these questions and I was like you know like rather than just keep answering these questions individually to each person who asks me you know I'm going to tell people in a program how I set my business up how I do it location independent how I get clients you know it was it was a whole like you know like I could just create this program and then give it to all these people that are answering me these questions. And that's basically what my my idea was behind it. So at that point, you already had people asking you questions. That means you probably already had a blog. You already had some social media presence. You were already out there sharing information and creating a community. I'm curious if you could walk us through what you were doing and what led up to that. Yeah, well, actually, a lot of the work that I was doing was really kind of focused around getting clients, you know, like bringing clients into the business. So I, I did go on to like networking forums. I was on places like LinkedIn at that stage and Twitter and Facebook and things like that. And I was putting myself myself out there as a virtual assistant to see if I could, you know, like bring clients into the business. And and I, I really believed and I still believe wholeheartedly in, in no matter how busy you get, you should never really stop marketing your business because you never know where it could potentially take you. So so I continued marketing the clients and it was from that literally that VAs started to contact me saying, you know, like, oh, I see you're, you know, like trying to find clients on Facebook. How do you do that? And you're like, is this a strategy that you use? And and I'm looking to get started myself and where should I begin? So it came kind of organically just simply from putting myself out there trying to develop my own business that other people saw what I was doing and then thought, well, if she's doing it, then I can do it too. And I'll ask her how. <laughs> I like that. So you, you you weren't even looking for the VAs to contact you, but they reached out to you because they saw how out there you were. Yeah, totally. It was it, it pretty much happened like that. <laughs> That's great. So tell me about this product. Is it still is it still going and has it evolved over the years? It's totally evolved over the years. So I started off with one training program and that quickly evolved into a monthly subscription membership site. So, and that evolved into nine training programs over the course of the years. <laughs> and now I, what I'm selling is the nine training programs, but really it's coming into to six core programs. So it goes right from the freelancer who's just kind of like starting out you know, wanting to dabble around and pitch their services to a few people right through to taking it into a, you know, six-figure, multi-six-figure entrepreneurial business. So I, I do the training start to finish. I also do consulting training now, and I teach people how to consult, and I also do mentorship. Wow. Okay. So you've got a you've got a really multifaceted business there, and I'm assuming that you're not running this alone. No, I have a team of <laughs> about twenty plus staff, and also I met my husband while I was traveling as well. So he also is working with me in the business. So he's like my sidekick. It's pretty cool. 
Wow. So so 20 plus people working with you on this. How do you coordinate all of that? We use online project management spaces. So, I mean, our primary way of coordinating client and teamwork is through a project space called Active Collab. But we also use Slack as a kind of messaging system between the team and good old Skype also never lets you down. <laughs> no, the tools these days can be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I don't, I mean, I think you can really get into shiny object syndrome with these tools as well. So I would say to anybody looking to start working with a team, it's definitely a good project management system. Choose one, a good messaging system, and then a good kind of like IM instant messaging system like Skype. That's true. And and, once you've chosen one, you can discover whether or not it works for you and you can always evolve to something else if you need something specific. Absolutely. Yeah. Try try a few out, see how they sit with you and, you know, pick one that you really like. (laughs) So when you started though, you were a one person team, you were doing it all by yourself. And I'm curious how you made that transition from bringing a virtual assistant to actually starting to work with your own assistants. It was an interesting time. So I met my husband in 2006 and I became pregnant then and I was about to have my baby in 2007. So for me, it was like the the idea that I was going to have this child, this baby, you know, and I needed to, like, I couldn't just work 12 hours a day anymore and sit at my desk. I needed to be there for my, my son. So that was really what propelled me into making the decision that I needed to start hiring people in my business. So in 2007, I hired my first VA to help me as a VA in my own business. And then it just escalated from there. I got pretty good at being able to learn how to hire, what to look for, and then basically how to start training online to be able to get people up to speed so I could take that another step back at that point. How did you figure out how to segment the work so that you could delegate the things that you were working on? I know people have told me and I've personally discovered it's a very challenging aspect of trying to hire somebody to help. It is. I think the most important thing is to get really, really clear on your expectations and what you want from that person and basically be very upfront with them at the start, you know, about what you need them to do and things like that. For me, in terms of segmenting the work, I always look for specific individuals with specific skills. I mean, I'm a very generalist VA. That's how I started. But that's how I'm good at what I do now in terms of being able to oversee the operations and things like that. But everybody who works with me tends to be very skilled in certain particular areas. So I really get clear on what I what I need, what I'm looking for. And then I make I get clear on like handling you know, like what my expectations are of the other person. And then we start a trial. I, I give them a test to see how they how they go, how they do things, whether it's how I would like them to do. I see if there's any potential there for training and things like that. And, and then I hire and then basically it's taking the leap of faith from there. But, you know, like I've hired more than, I mean, I'd probably say 70 or 80 virtual assistants now at this point. So after that many virtual assistants, you get really good at <laughs> figuring out who's who and, and what's what. The virtual assistant market is a a very challenging place to even get into. Where where do you find these people to interview in the first place? Well, I have it because of my training programs. I have a huge community of VAs accessible to me now. So a lot of the people I work with and a lot of people I hire come from these communities of VAs, my Facebook group and the people I train and coach and things like that and mentor. For clients, it's a little bit more challenging. A lot of people, clients will be able to find VAs on places like Upwork, for example, you know, like these hiring sites. And obviously, you can search online, you can go into networking groups, you can ask other people, can you recommend a good VA? Or if you ever worked with a really good VA, just I would say to start with, you know, like asking other people is a really great 
a great place to start if you're completely like new to all this. But certainly if you're looking to hire, you know, like cold from places like Upwork and things like that, you know, obviously as soon as you find someone with the skills you need, the best thing to do is like to put your job out there. And then the first thing you want to know really from anybody is like how detail oriented are they? Because you can teach pretty much anything, but you can't teach people to be detail oriented and to double check their work. It's it's something that I, I know this from hiring many, many VAs. It's not something you can teach. You need to find that up front. So a lot of people will focus on, oh, I need somebody with great WordPress skills or I need somebody with, you know, like great podcasting skills to be able to edit my podcast. What you really need first and foremost is somebody who's able to double check their work and kind of bring that quality to it first time around. So always find that first. I usually find a good way to sift people out or, you know, I like to, to sift people out through the people I'm potentially interviewing is to actually put the job description up and then ask them a question inside the job description, which I ask them specifically to put in their response to me when they apply for the job. So it could be like, tell me your favorite color. It could be something like, you know, like place this at the top, you know, place this line at the top of your response. And basically anybody who doesn't read that properly and doesn't answer that question exactly as I've asked them to, doesn't follow the instruction correctly, I usually eliminate those people straight off the bat and then only interview and see the people who have actually answered that question as, as the real potential candidates. That's very clever. And that's a way of filtering the, the number of people who apply in the first place. I wouldn't have thought that being detail-oriented, I see the value of it, but it wouldn't have been the first thing that I would have thought to look for in a virtual assistant. I'm curious how you came to that. <laughs> Hiring a lot of VAs <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and knowing myself about what makes a really good VA service and what doesn't. You know, I mean, I'm doing this for a long time. So, so for me, I'm always striving to figure out how can I be more effective? How can I be more efficient? Things like that. And, you know, when you, when you do these trials and tests, and I'm very experimental in my business, it's like a lab. So I use my business as a laboratory and I put these things out there and, and all the time, every, every problem, every challenge, every issue could have literally been prevented or avoided from someone simply being able to double check their work the first time around, you know, like it, it all could have been just completely prevented. So, so for me now, I have a fantastic team of people who are very, very competent in double checking. And I very, very rarely have any problems these days. <laughs> that is awesome. So everybody listen to that idea that detail orientation in your assistants is critical. I'm curious about the broader skill set that you usually look for in virtual assistants too, because it's such a, a vague amorphous concept in the virtual assistant, as you said, could be assisting with a podcast, doing WordPress, all sorts of different things. Mm. Well, my one sourcing model, I break it down into roles. So like for me, because my operations management with my clients is running a digital product business, I then break it down like all the roles that I need inside a digital product business. So I need a web developer, I need a graphic designer, I need a customer support representative, I need a personal assistant, you know, like that type of thing. So I break the whole business down into roles. And then I basically go out there looking for people who are able to fill the, those roles. And it could be one or more roles. Sometimes I look for people if, you know, like if I think to myself, well, this is quite a large, substantial role, I'll look for one person who can do that one role really, really well. If it's a role where I think, well, it's more project based and a bit ad hoc, then I might look for a virtual assistant who can fulfill maybe a couple of those roles and be able, be able to switch between the two. So basically, it comes down to breaking the business down into roles 
and then going out and finding people who can fulfill them. And the training process, I imagine, is also quite tricky because you've got very specific responsibilities and skills that you need to do, teach people what they need to do. I'm curious, how do you communicate the responsibilities of a, of a job to a virtual assistant? Well, these days I have project management, project managers who then basically work with team members. So I allocate my different clients to these different project managers. And we have very good intranets. So for me, it's like the whole foundation of any business is an intranet and inside the intranet we build one for each client and in there we have all our systems and our processes and our procedures and our workflows and it's all documented so like it's video training it's specific step-by-step instructions so when we bring somebody on board and we're like getting ready to train we're like okay go here look at these instructions listen to them watch them read them and then we start you on the first task and then we see how you go we don't then kind of finalize it we we get the person to do the task and then we we review it and we make sure it's done correctly and then basically we keep that process until everything's perfect and they've done it perfect a few times and then we can let go of the reins and let them get on with it so for me you know like the foundation of everything of ensuring that the training goes smoothly and it is is documenting everything in step-by-step instructions and ideally videos as well <laughs> it sounds like the process of building those process manuals must be tricky yeah, it is. But actually, maybe it's not so tricky as people think. I mean, for me, it's like when I, whenever I want to do something, like I think a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs looking to start hiring virtual assistants are very in the mode of, oh, I'll just do it myself because it's quicker. Oh, you know, like rather than tell someone how to delegate it, I'll just do it myself. But when you add up all the times that you're doing it yourself, it's really much better to spend maybe double the amount of time doing it one time just so you can really go through like in every like when you're doing something yourself just simply start writing down everything that you're doing like step by step what do I do do I go here to this website and then I click on this and then I open this and then I search for this you know take that extra time take that extra 10 15 minutes or whatever it is that you need to take in order to simply document that down and do that with every single process and task and 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 everything that you do for yourself and just put it inside an intranet something searchable you know you can use something like google sites it's free and you can just basically start putting your instructions in there and documenting them. You can use something like Google Docs, anything like that. Having the examples of the work that you've done before probably is very helpful for your clients. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. And with my methodology of one sourcing, I mean, I have a very specific fixed kind of way that I, I do my operations with clients because we're all into membership sites and selling digital products. You know, I'm able to create this kind of workflow that is able to flow through all of my clients' businesses. And then we just tweak and adapt it for each client. So once you've got that really good foundation of those processes and procedures and instructions and videos, it's very, very easy to not just replicate them for other people, but also train different virtual assistants. If you have a changeover or a handover or something like that, makes it very, very simple in the long term. So in the position that you've created for yourself, where you're living all over the world, I'm assuming your online network must really be where you keep your relationships going. Yeah, definitely. I mean, for me as a virtual assistant, it's kind of a lonely environment. I don't know have my husband working with me now. But basically, you know, like it's, it's, it's very much a digital world. So having the Facebook groups and having the communities and the people I train, and I, and I do regular calls, group calls with people. I did one today, you know, which was really, really awesome. So I, so 
I'm very much connected to my audience and to the community that I'm growing. I do it for several reasons. One, it's good for me. It's good for the soul to connect with other people and interact and share you know, what's been happening with your client and what process have you been working on or what do you need help with. But it's also good for everybody else as well to have that momentum and that kind of inspiration and that drive and that support when you're working online because a lot of people will face this is when when you decide to like oh I'm going to start an online business you know I'm going to go into the digital world I'm going to be a location independent you'll ask like 90% of the people around you like oh this is what I'm doing and they're like what what's that is it a scam is it you know like what are you like you know like, I have no idea what that is get a real job <laughs> so so you'll face a lot of that usually from society around you and once you start you know like exploring this so it's really of paramount importance that you have those people that have been doing it and they're doing it really really well so you can kind of immerse yourself into that kind of environment rather than the people who are saying what is this online thing you know like go back to the real world <laughs> one of the things that number of people i've spoken with have talked about is the importance of having a mastermind group of peers they can talk with about their business as well have you found that's useful for you yeah, it is. Funny enough, I speak at a lot of events and it's only been recently that, that this has happened to me, but I speak at a lot of events and then sometimes when you when you go and speak at events, you meet certain people like other speakers and you know, who really kind of like you just gel with and get on with. And I've I've met a lot of people like that in various different types of online businesses, but also in the digital product business, who I've become really great friends with and like we always bounce ideas off each other and then like one will contact me and say, oh, I'm planning on doing this launch, do you want to get involved? and so yeah for me it's been it's been really nice to be able to connect with I guess peers and colleagues and people in who are at a similar level as well to be able to kind of like fill in the gaps when I say like oh I've tried this and this is working really well but this isn't quite right and then to have someone else come in and say well I've done that too and you need to do this it's so awesome. So I like to do that for other people, but it's also really great when you've got that community around you of peers and they're doing the same for you. So now it sounds like you met a bunch of these people at face-to-face -face events as opposed to online. Yeah, and I only really, I mean, I've done the odd one or two face-to-face -face events in, in past years, but this year I did several, primarily for location independence. I did a digital nomad event in Portugal in September and, and then one in Barcelona in October. So, so I've been doing a lot of traveling this year. I went to Bali. Yeah, and it, it's really for the first time that I kind of stepped out of my digital comfort zone and I, I went out into, into, <laughs> into the real world shall we say, but meeting people who are in the digital industry as well. So for me, yeah, it's it's been this year that I've really branched out into it, but I, it's so beneficial. I would highly recommend people go into conferences and do connect with people in person because it, it's a much quicker pace to, to be able to build rapport with that person and really connect with that person, build friendship with that person than it is trying to do it online. I think people dismiss the face-to-face -face sometimes because they see, oh, well, all of those conference presentations, they're all going to be on video. I can watch them later. But they don't get the benefit of the connection with the human beings that are at these events. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, you know, like it's like these couple of events. I've, I've found somebody I'm going to be doing JV partners with. I found, I, I've had a couple of clients. I've had even, I've met people who I've been able to refer on to other VAs and, and people working in my, you know, people in my training programs. So for me, it was, I mean, to me, that's like a win-win all around. It's well worth it. So is there a live face-to-face -face component of your own business? I actually did an event this year, which was a retreat where I got myself and a colleague 
got together with six other VAs and we went in a beautiful villa and we did a big mentorship program over the course of a few days, which was awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed that. That was the first time I've ever done anything in press. I did a small workshop a couple of years ago, but we've decided now to make that a regular thing and to incorporate a retreat into our businesses every year. And that's really exciting. For me, it's it's not really about like, you can make lots of money through digital launches and things like that and digital product sales and you know it's this launch and it's this webinar and things like that but for me the fun part has been getting together with other VAs and other people in the industry and just kind of like really kind of like sitting down and having a drink or a glass of wine and chewing over the fat of why do you do this and stuff like that so it becomes less about the financial aspect of the business and more about the kind of fun enjoyable carefree aspect of it so for me that's what the retreat has been like <laughs> that's nice and so it's actually it's a community of folks who are either currently location independent or looking to be location independent yeah we had a real mix of both we had people from all over you know, all corners of the world and yeah some of them were already location dependent some of them were thinking about it and since we did that event in may there have been a couple of people now who've actually quit their jobs and moved one lady quit her job and left Australia and now she's living in Thailand. So so that's just like so exciting for me to to hear about Elaine. Like this one event changed her life. So <laughs> it's great. <laughs> That's wonderful. You're, you're out there inspiring folks, no question. I wonder, do you recommend that people make that massive change the way that you did and just jump right in? Or is it more of a gradual transition that you find is more what you would recommend? Well, it depends on the person. I can't say that I would recommend one or the other to, as, as a generic kind of catch-all thing. But for me, it's like, I do this a lot with my mentorship. There are people who really aren't in a position to be able to, to, to take the leap yet emotionally or in terms of mindset and beliefs and things like that. But then there are other people who are just like, you, you look at them and they're on the edge and then you think, no, you're, you're totally ready to do it. And and for me, it's like there, there's been a, a real mixture of both kinds of people. And I think for me, it, if I was going to do it again, I would always go in exactly the way I did it. I would always just, <laughs> to me, if I didn't, I would talk myself out of it or I'd get lazy and I'd be like, you know, oh, I'll do that next week. And so for me, it's an all or nothing approach always in everything I do in my business. Right from that day 12 years ago when I decided to, to take the leap. But, you know, I know that it's not possible always for people to do that. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of faith. And I think if you have those, then, you know, it's golden. You're all set. But if you don't, then do some more work on your belief system and your mindset and get yourself to a point where, where you feel kind of like emotionally ready to take the plunge. Well, and it certainly it helps to be working with a mentor who has the experience and who can help you evaluate that for yourself before making that choice. I'm curious in your own career, whether you've had relationships with mentors or role models. Other than Yarrow, when I took his program, I can't say I have. Although there is, there is one guy who I absolutely love and I followed his journey for a long time now. And, and he's just gone from strength to strength. And I find I, I'm really admiring his name's Carl Harvey. I originally found him from Mind Valley. So I don't know if you know how to Mind Valley Academy, which is Vishen Lakiani. And he was working in Mind Valley. He started off this podcast show, which was The Big Life. And then he branched off into his own, doing his own stuff. So he now has a membership site called The Abundance Book Club, which I'm a member of and I highly recommend it. And it's like, I, I absolutely love this guy, not just as a mentor, but just as somebody who I, like if I'm feeling a bit flat and I need a little bit of inspiration, or I need a little pick me up, or I need like a little like motivation. You can do affirmations and you can read books like Think and Grow Rich and stuff like that. But to 
can actually have someone in the real world who's doing these short skits and these short videos and just keeping you upbeat and keeping you motivated. It's great stuff. So I, I really, really like Carl Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Have you had any interactions with him or exclusively through his media? No, I have had interactions with him. We've connected a little bit because I've taken some of his programs as well. I took one, I took one of his programs, but he's very giving and generous. So he often gives people content and gives people stuff. So I tend to dip in to his bits and pieces and he's got a great support site. He works with his brother as well. So I've had connections with him through stuff I've been working on and things he's been mentoring me on and connections with his brother and the community as well. And it's just been really good. That's a great recommendation. So in your own your own life, you've created this digital nomad lifestyle for yourself, but you also have a family and children. Yeah, I do. So when I was when I was in Egypt, although I had no agenda when I was there, I ended up staying there for two and a half years. And I met my husband while I was there. He's from California and he was just traveling through Egypt and we happened to cross paths. And then I became pregnant. And then we're now like 11 years down the line and uh, <laughs> 10, 10, 11 years down the line and three children later. And seven countries, we live in seven countries later. So yeah, it's, um, it's been quite a wild ride, but it's been a lot of fun. And I absolutely love raising my children in the, with this lifestyle. It's been great. I've got bilingual kids now. They speak fluent Greek. It's just something I never even conceived or dreamed of before I left and started traveling and, and I wouldn't change it for the world. That's wonderful. And it sounded like from what you said before, your husband's also involved in your business. Yeah, he is. So when we initially first met, he was traveling. So I mean, he didn't have any job or anything like that. So we just kind of hung out together in Egypt for a bit. And then I became pregnant. So then it was like, well, what are we going to do? And then the options, we didn't like the options of going to America or going to England. So we decided that we were going to keep traveling and that I would really just kind of make the business work. And, you know, he would basically support me with helping with the baby and things like that. And then a couple of years in, I was pregnant again with my second child but then you know it got to the point where our children were getting a slightly older and then he came into the business and started helping me in the business which was great wow that's wonderful it's great when you can get people who can live together and work together and create that kind of harmony in their lives yeah well well now i mean because business has grown so much and you know like our family has got older my youngest is three now my oldest is 10. So we're at the point now where we have a little bit more freedom than we did when we had tiny babies. So he's doing a lot more. He's got kind of like his own department that he runs in the business now. And he's super helpful. I, I absolutely could not have done any of this without his encouragement and support. And just he's always got my back. And yeah, it's been it's been great to have him there. I can imagine. You're a very prolific publisher. And I'm really curious with the family, with the business, what is your routine? How do you keep yourself organized well I'm kind of like an organization junkie so <laughs> I, I really I really love routines and schedules surprisingly enough I'm very spontaneous as well so a lot of people don't quite understand the mix of like oh I can just pick up and leave and go to a, one country to the next in like a week's notice but you know when it comes to my daily routine I love kind of like having that schedule I do journaling in the morning and you know like I have all these kind of little rituals I do my exercise my exercise in the morning then I get the kids off to school and then I sit down and I have my rituals where I go through with the business and I start on one thing and I have my daily to-do lists 
and just kind of like all the steps and processes that I need to go through. So for me, it's all about scheduling and it's all about prioritizing as well. I'm, I'm really one for looking at my to-do list and then every day I prioritize three items that I absolutely have to get done that day. And then anything I can do beyond that is kind of like a bonus for me. So that's basically how I do it. So how tightly scheduled is your day? It's not that tightly scheduled. Actually, it really depends on what's going on. So like if we've got a really major launch happening for like within our business or with a client, you know, sometimes I'll work a little bit more than others. But most of the time, you know, like most of my work is done in the morning. And then as soon as the kids get home from school, I really try to kind of be there for them and be very present with them. So I can't say it's really, really tight. Particularly now I've got my team because I know that I've got a really, really good team. They're solid. They've got my back. They've got their tasks. I know that they're being processed. And I have regular team meetings and things like that. So I have a very good work-life balance at this stage, simply because of the processes and procedures and things that I've implemented. So. It pays to have that obsession with organization processes and tools. I've certainly found it paid off. Either either you need to have it yourself or you need to have somebody working with you who's very much very organized. I can imagine. Where do you fit self-care into your process? Always, first of all, first thing in the morning, I, I always have my self-care ritual. So like, I love doing my gratitude journal. I read a little bit of some inspiring book or something that I'm reading about beliefs and mindset and law of attraction, things like that. And then I always do my physical activity in the morning. So I always make sure that I take time to do my rebounding. I love trampolining. So, so I, I, I've got a little rebounder and I bounce up and down on that. And then I take some time with my husband. I have tea with him in the mornings and we talk. We, we focus and we do a specific talk about what we want to achieve and our goals every single morning. So I have a really big focus. I have very heavy focus every single morning on my goals. And then we talk about how we're going to make things happen that day, the things that we're going to do to take a further step towards our goals. And then once we do that, you know, like I, I sit down and I get to work. And then, you know, for me, it's also about scheduling time in where I have days where I don't take any appointments, that type of thing, where I decide, you know, like we have our special family day where we do something all together with the kids and we let them choose what they want to do. So it's really about kind of like figuring out what you want to achieve. And I'm a firm believer as well that it's not about the number of hours you work or how hard you work, it's how smart you work. And for me, when when you keep your eye on the goal and the vision, a lot of what comes from that is intuitive. So it's like the actions I take in my business, they're more intuitive than anything else in terms of like, oh, I feel like I want to do this right now, or I feel like this is this will be a good idea. I'm going to run this workshop. I, I leave a lot of room for spontaneity in there as well, based on the creativity that comes to me at that day, at that point. Well, and having a team to support you, I think is probably a very helpful thing, but it's taken a long time to get yourself to this point. Yeah, it has, particularly as well, getting the right team in place. And, and really, you know, like for me, it's like in the very, very early years, I was very traditional still, you know, in terms of like, oh, it's all about work, work, work and do more, do more and put those hours in. But, you know, I, I gradually over the years discovered that it's way better, way more productive. It brings you a lot more abundance if you can actually take more time for yourself to feed yourself, you know, like not in terms of eating, but feed yourself, feed your soul in terms of the things you love to do. For me, like walking along the beach is extremely productive. I take 
take a notebook and I just start walking and I start pondering on things I want to do and then just ideas will come to me and I write them all down and then I just come back to my office and then I'm like a demon I'm just like (laughs) totally like I'm gonna take some action now based on that so usually my my best my biggest my brightest ideas that have worked in the best way I could possibly hope for have always come from those moments where I'm feeling the best I could possibly feel at that time so it's very important taking care of yourself so that you can help start taking care of your clients and your your audience out there exactly you're very prolific what schedule is your publication on right now because you're you're publishing different media I'm really curious so basically, I published to my blog, Virtual Miss Friday. I published to my subscribers on my mailing list. And I do a lot of publishing through social media and things like that. But, you know, like my all my programs and my courses and everything is centered around my website, virtualmissfriday.com. How often do your publications come out? When I feel inspired, usually it's a few times a week. I usually post on my blog some sort of snippet of inspiration or ideas that I've had or things that I want to share. So so definitely at minimum, probably two to three times a week. And I like that there's always a balance between the business oriented stuff and the personal stuff as well in what you publish. Yeah, definitely. Well, there has to be because my business wouldn't exist if it wasn't for all the personal stuff that I do in my life. You know, like I, it's, it's always lifestyle first. And then my business comes off the back of that. And I, and I literally, when I mentor and I coach people, it's like the first thing I ask them is how do you want to live your life? Because what I'll then do is I will build the business all around that. And, and for me, that needs to run. That's my message that runs through in everything. So it's like, how do you want to live your life? And then how can we make money? <laughs> based on you know how, how can we build it around that you know obviously because building the business you can't just sit on a beach all day every day and you know like hope for the best but it's about it, it's really about taking into consideration what's going to make you feel the best and then what can we potentially do that that you can just feel your best and earn money from it <laughs> It's very personal and very practical. And I know that there are people who are listening to this who are going to want to find you and find out more about you, get some inspiration from you and perhaps even work with you. How do you recommend people get in touch with you? So I would say the best place to start is my free academy. So I have a free six-part training program on online business. So if you're interested in becoming location independent and starting an online business, you can go to virtualmissfriday.com forward slash academy. Inside there, you'll also have access to our Facebook group. Um, which is really, really thriving. We're an awesome bunch of people inside there. And also you can get all my business blueprints as well. So I've got six business blueprints in there of how you can get started with working online. And I've also got a free sample pack for things that are inside my Academy Pro, which is like the paid membership area. So you'll get a call replay of one of the calls that we did together as a group. So you just get a little taste of that and also a tutorial video in there and also a content kit because we create content kits and information products that VAs can use in their own businesses as well. So lots of good stuff in there, retromissfriday.com forward slash academy. Awesome. And I will be putting links to all of those things in the show notes. Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been really a pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been awesome to speak to you. And I I really do hope that everyone finds this helpful. (laughs) Are you glad you listened to this episode of Hack the Process? Then take an action now. Make a note about something you just heard and how it's going to help you as you hack your own process. And let me know about it. This has been M. David Green, your host for Hack the Process. You can tweet me at Hack the Process. Leave a review for the show on iTunes and visit HackTheProcess.com to check out the show notes for this episode and join our community of process hackers. Thanks for listening.